annex there, but uh, I want to have a moment where we all have a word of prayer over the war room uh, that we have established, and I want to make again a public invite to you. If you have not yet come and spent some time in prayer, don't let that 6 a.m. time intimidate you. If that is not a time you would like to be here, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll try our best to facilitate, but come and set a time aside. Seek the Lord. I, I, and this kind of gets into, I, I just want to share for a moment what I believe the Lord wants me to encourage you with. Um, number one, seek the Lord while he may be found. We have been blessed in this country for years to seek the Lord as we please. Do not take it for granted. Do not think this will maybe be always the way it is. I am not in any way trying to give you a word like I am a prophet. I am being obedient to the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. For we have been given incredible ability to call on the name of the Lord. So I want you to, to be encouraged and be excited as we get ready to dedicate that room on, Jan, on January, on July 22nd. And would you please be in prayer with us? Uh, now, hear me. I don't know who this will apply to. If I believe it can apply to all of us. But if you specifically, if this is going to apply to you specifically, I'm just going to again obey the Lord. There are two places of Scripture that you need to look at. The book of Jude and the book of Romans chapter 1. Understand that we are not just in some strange uh, time when uh, things uh, are out of kilter and uh, everybody's out of control. Hear me. The book of Jude says, contend for the faith. I say to you, church, if there was ever a time for us to contend for the faith, it's now. Engage the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just with coming to church, but with a lifestyle and a prayer life and activity that lines up with the word of God. Read the book of Jude. Then I encourage you, if you have wondered, God, why is all this funny stuff happening? Why is all this confusion taking place? Understand, we are not in a physical fight. We are experiencing warfare. And if we don't grab a hold of it, if we think that we certainly can just continue and stand, I tell you, God can and will allow whatever to happen that we get on our knees and pray. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 begins to talk about what's going to be happening. And it says that people at that time will begin to suppress the truth. 
That means they know what truth is and they've disregarded it. Hear me, church. We are in a time and season, not where people don't know the truth. People know what is right in our country and they're disregarding it purposely. They are suppressing the truth. We need to get on our knees like never before and call out to God. We will not win this fight at the ballot box alone. We will not win this fight physically. You will not win this fight speaking and arguing with your throat and voice. We will win this fight on our knees in prayer with our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage you. To engage in the battle. Read the book of Jude. Read the first chapter of Romans. Don't think that something strange is happening. Engage in the gospel. Because Jesus has given us an opportunity in our nation. To pray like no one else on the face of the earth has. We're blessed in our country. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're getting ready to wrap up Encounters with Jesus today. And then as we wrap this up, uh, and we are going to be looking in the Gospel of Luke, and we'll get ready to do the, this book as uh, all my all-sufficient guide. But before we do that, I want to talk about the series coming up. I'm excited about it. It's going to be called Portraits, with, uh, uh, Portraits of Jesus. And the reason this is important is this. If we don't have a proper perspective, a proper picture, a proper vision of who God is, of who Jesus is specifically, it will mar everything we set out to do in our life. The portrait of Jesus that we have, uh, it is what will sustain you in your spiritual life. So we are going to take the book of John and we are going to look at painting a picture of Jesus, if you will. And it will be uh, a number of places that we will turn in the scripture, each one of them painting a particular characteristic or a truth about who Jesus is. Because truly, in a time where we are contending for the faith, if we don't hold on to the truth, it will be stolen from us. So we must, we must grab hold and understand what that picture of Jesus is. So portraits of Jesus, it'll start next week. We're going to be looking at the book of John. So we've been looking at Luke. We're going to move on to the book of John. And this specifically uh, series will be focusing on the person of Jesus, painting a vivid picture and getting that picture in our spirits and down in our hearts about who Jesus really is so you can have confidence in him. Amen. All right. This last message is one that I have uh, continued with for many, many weeks now, and I believe is one of the most pivotal ones that we have looked at when we talk about Jesus encounters. So let's get ready, hold your Bible up, whatever form it happens to be in, 
and just say with me, this book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Hallelujah. So encounters with Jesus, and today I want to specifically look at the post-resurrection. So if you're looking to, uh, to write a title, post-resurrection. Now, uh, this is extremely important because we all know, as I've said before, that the resurrection is truly the exclamation point of everything Jesus did. If the resurrection wasn't true, then all of what Jesus did, as wonderful as it was, as, as good of a, uh, of a person he was going and healing and, and helping and healing up the brokenhearted, it wouldn't be nearly the impact as the resurrection. The whole thing hinged on the resurrection. The whole thing hinged on the fact that God the Father accepted the sacrifice. So as we look at Jesus' encounters, I want to first uh, review just a little bit. The first thing we've talked about is that Jesus' encounters first needs to happen with us. We need to have an encounter with Jesus. And that first encounter that I'm talking about is those in which we are encountering God to the point where we make a decision. And I hope that decision is a decision for Jesus. I hope that that decision that you've made is that you've counted the cost, you've looked, and you've said, yes, I am going to follow Jesus. That's the first one. But then let me encourage you. Don't leave your relationship with Jesus on the back burner. <laughs> Don't leave your relationship with Jesus in some obscure corner of the, your heart of your house. Because I will tell you, the world has an uncanny ability to crowd out the life of Jesus Christ in your life. The world has an absolute, and if that wasn't enough, you have an enemy of your soul that wants to see your destruction, that will try to distract you with every kind of distraction. If it isn't with the things of the world, it'll be the worries of life. If it isn't with the worries of the life, it will be to choke it out through stealing your joy or through some tragic event. Make sure you anchor your soul to Jesus. Make a stake in the ground that says, come what may, I will serve the Lord. So uh, I want to tell you, and that's the second point, it needs to continue to grow. Our relationship with Jesus was never meant to just be a three, a five, or even an hour-long uh, wonderful time at an altar or in the, in the woods someplace or wherever it is you accepted Jesus. That was the beginning of an incredible journey that you and I are to be on. A journey that will be a lifetime journey as we continue to encounter Jesus. And only... If we can continue to encounter Jesus, that third point, out of you to others around you. God has left. Jesus said, I'm leaving. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. And he says, I won't leave you as orphans. 
And I'm so glad he did not leave us as orphans. He did not leave us alone. He didn't say, here's the book, read it, it's really good, and follow it, and then go away. And, and as good and as powerful as the Word of God is, and it should be sufficient, He didn't leave us like that. We're going to talk about that. But this is my fourth point as we talk about Jesus encounters, and possibly uh, for your family, your friends, our world, our, our neighborhood, this is the most important. We cannot pass or give what we do not possess ourselves. If your faith is not vibrant, if your faith is turned to religion, if your faith is as stale as a shirt that's been eaten by moths, you need to get on our knees and say, God, restore me. Because no one wants a moth-eaten shirt of faith. (laughs) They want to know who Jesus is. And I have found that people aren't nearly as put off about the real Jesus as they are about pretense and religious overtones. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. They've seen every trick and smoke and mirror. They just want reality. And we have it if we will develop and grow that relationship with Jesus. All right. So let's talk about this most important encounter with Jesus post-resurrection. We're going to be looking at Luke 24, 36 through 49. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they, were sti- why they still could not believe it, for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to the understanding the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. These are some really important instructions. 
I mean, you know, there are times where, uh, let's be honest, every word of Jesus would have been important, right? <laughs> I mean, truly, now that we know and once we understand who he is, the, the bread of life, the living water, and truly understand that he's the son of God, every word that he would say we should be hanging on, but here, after the resurrection, after the exclamation point, and we're going to look uh, a little bit uh, f uh, back in this chapter of chapter 24 because uh, it, in, the, in the Jewish custom, there was something about three days of a body being dead that possibly the spirit hung around and could maybe come back. But on the road of Emmaus, the two that were walking and talking about all the things that were happening and Jesus came and walked with them, one of the things they said is, you know, it had been over three days. And, and they were without hope. They had no hope. And so uh, we look at this passage of Scripture and uh, uh, there's some interesting things here that we are to see. The, the first one is this. Jesus gave his disciples divine proofs. These were not just uh, pulled out of the hat, uh, we hope you believe. And in fact, if you uh, truly do any research, you will find that people have sometimes throughout history fallen for some of the most ridiculous things that have ever come down the pike. And, and looking back on it with uh, retrospect, you say, how did that ever happen? How did that ever happen? Uh, and, and there are uh, just m so many examples of it throughout history. It doesn't take you long. You look and look and you find that there were lots of people. And it seems like here, let me just tell you that as he appears with Cleopas and begins talking with these two that were on the road to Emmaus. It is an amazing thing. In fact, uh, if you have your, your Bible or if you have your uh, app there, I want you to turn with me just a little bit further back in chapter 24 because it's incredible what is happening. First of all, when they are walking through uh, the village named Emmaus, they're walking about seven miles from Jerusalem, okay? And in this, Jesus begins to walk with them, and they have no idea who he is. They could not recognize him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us why. There's lots of theories why. The fact is the Scripture doesn't say. But here, he's walking with them. And it's, finally it says in verse 24, And some of those who went with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but he they did not see. And then it says, And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe, and all that the prophets had spoken, was it? not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all scriptures. 
Then it says, they encouraged him to spend the night with him. And as he was breaking bread, he vanished before their sight. Now, this is important because Peter was the one and John was the one that came back from the tomb and they all were meeting the 11 and they still were having trouble believing what the ladies had said. I mean, unless we all think that we would be quick to believe it, I really think if you think about it, you would say the same thing that I would. You're out of your mind. Something happened. I don't know what you saw, but it wasn't what had happened. But interesting enough, Jesus appears. And right after this, he appears, and it confirms. Literally, it says here, verse 35, and they began to relate their experiences on the road, how they recognized them by the breaking of the bread. Here Jesus walks in right at a time where he confirms Peter's story. <laughs> and he says he really has seen the Lord. They've seen the Lord because he tells the story. Now I will tell you, um, If you look at the disciples, if you think about who they were, just think about who you are. I mean, a lot of you are very sensible, right? I noticed I said a lot. All of us here realize that if someone came with a story that was unbelievable, you would not give your life for it. It would be silly. These were not people that were uh, known for uh, believing everything that came down the pike. These were people that had lives just like you and me. A tax collector, fishermen, they were doing their thing. They had no intention of following this guy. And then they not only follow him, but then he says and tells all these things that he's supposed to do. And it happens and they're all in distress and they all think it's all over. And all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in front of them. And I, I simply say this. You have to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, your encounter with Jesus, is not on shallow ground. It's on solid rock foundation. Jesus not only appears to them, he says, touch me and see. He's, he's astonished. He says, why do you doubt in your hearts? But then he, him realizing our own human frailty... And I would have been the first one that said, let me touch you. I would have wanted to put my finger through the holes. It's, it's normal. It's natural. But Jesus allows them to touch him. Now, do you realize how significant that is to your faith? Now, the gospel or the, the book of John says, and I've listed that as one of our verses here, that blessed are those who have believed and have yet not seen. That's you and I. But this, this is not, this is just much more. And by the way, in 1 Corinthians, I have that listed up there, 15, 3 through 7, Jesus appeared before 500 at one time. 
So what I'm wanting to say is Jesus just didn't come and say, uh, you know, these things are going to happen. I'm going to raise from the dead. And then the disciples created a story and decided that they would follow it. Peter himself in the book of Peter says, we're, we're not people following cleverly invented stories. We are eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then if that weren't enough, by touching him and holding him, seeing he wasn't a spirit, seeing the scars in his hand, he says, look, have you got something to eat around here? Now that just cracks me up. Because Jesus is practical. Jesus meets you where you are. And, and he knew that that was going to be significant for them. And so he said, have you got a piece, what have you got? And they said, yeah, we got a piece of fish. And they gave it to him. And here's what it says, that he ate it in their presence. Right as they watched him take the fish and swallow it. Now, again, divine proves. I'm just going to tell you that as, as I started off with this, Truth is truth. I know it's being suppressed, but you stand on truth. You speak the truth. Your faith is secure as more secure than anything in this natural world. I will tell you the things of this world are passing away. They're more fragile than your foundation on Christ. The foundation of this world is going to be shaken. <laughs> But praise the Lord, Jesus gave divine proofs for him rising from the dead. All right, let's move on to the second point, and that is this. Jesus opened their minds, giving divine understanding. Now, that's huge. Here, in, uh, on the road to Emmaus, again, we've talked about this, verse number 27, going back, he talked about Moses and the prophets. Here, in verse 44 of the same chapter, 24, Jesus says that he opened their mind to him about the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Have you ever wondered... I wonder, why, I wonder how they think that all of those psalm scriptures and all those prophet scriptures relate to Jesus. Jesus here opened their mind and began it. He's the one that started it. He's the one that says, look, look at this in psalm. Look at this in the law of the prophets. Look at this in the book of the law. These all spoke of me. And by the way, in verse uh, 27 of this chapter, it says, all the prophets. So Jesus opened their minds and began to show them in the word of God where he was the son of God. Now, that's an awesome thing. But I, I will, I, I just, I, I, I'm not going to be able to spend, I could just rest on this point for so long, but I just will say this. The most unused resource to a Christian's life is the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what do you mean? Do you realize that Jesus said 
I'm going I'm to go away, but I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. You know him because he's with you, but he will be in you. And then he placed his spirit in us. If you are here and you're saying, you know, I'd read the Old Testament, but I, I just can't understand it. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to open it up to you? Well, that's, that's not even practical, Bryant. Yes, it is. You've got the very one who Jesus called and relied on. <laughs> it says in the Word of God that he was full of the Spirit without measure. And I've got that verse listed on there in John chapter 1 that he said that the Spirit of God came on him with absolute fullness. Do you realize the resource you have as you read the Word of God? And, and, and rather than turn to every crazy fangled theory that you find on Google, ask of him that he would give you a clear understanding of the Scripture, that he would open it up to you as he opened it up to the disciples. It says he opened their mind, and although it was Jesus then, the Holy Spirit does it now, praise the Lord. And Here's one thing about the Holy Spirit. As long as you have called upon him and you are his child, it is available as quick and more reliable than Google. <laughs> Google is a created thing. God is not created. God has always been. So don't go to, the, don't go to a, a resource that may or may not be true. You know, we're going through it right now with that, with our address at the church. <laughs> Because if you're looking with all the changes they're doing in the town, you know, one, one uh, uh, thing has it one way, the, the mail has it the other way. We got different addresses happening. It's confusing people. So let me encourage you as you open the word of God, let the Holy Spirit open your mind to the scripture. Ask of him and see that he will be faithful to you just like he was with the disciples. Because in those scripture verses I listed there, especially in John 16, it says that he will take directly from what is me, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will, and make it known to you. So you have literally Jesus giving you instruction. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Be excited about that. Yes, and, and I just, just can't encourage you enough. Not that you can't go outside. I understand resources. I'm not knocking anything like that. Please, please study to show yourself approved. It is good to study, but study sometimes. Let the Word of God be its own interpreter. Let the Word of God first... Uh, immerse yourself in the living word. Amen. So if Jesus opened their minds, giving them divine understanding, here's the last point. The Holy Spirit will open our minds and give us divine understanding. Even in the days we're living right now. Praise the Lord. Number three, Jesus entrusted them with a divine message. 
The message of Jesus Christ is not to be trifled with. It's not. God was very specific. It's not to be said, well, you know, God, uh, we've really got to save a lot of people. Your message is just too strong. So we've got a different way that we can have people come and kind of wink, wink, get them in the back door, and then maybe eventually they'll become strong believers. Ouch. I don't believe that. In fact, I will tell you, maybe the Spirit of the Lord isn't moving as powerfully as he could be in our country because we need to start preaching the gospel of Jesus which comes with repentance. Repentance. Well, Brian, you'll never get them in the door with repentance. Well, then maybe they need to be in sin a while longer. Now you say, Pastor Brian, that's harsh. That's not my heart. What I'm saying is don't cheapen the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't allow it to become, oh, you can do whatever you want. Just come to church and just believe and come to the service and feel good. Oh, you can, you can come and hopefully by hanging around us long enough, you'll start acting like us. They, we need to come to a point where they, they say, I recognize I'm lost. I'm recognizing I'm in sin. And that's what the scripture Jesus himself says, the, that repentance and forgiveness of sins. I'll tell you, there's a lot of uh, forgiveness of sins being preached and taking hell out of the equation. To where we said, oh, you don't even have to worry about hell. God wouldn't do that. And, it, and it's really become an easy believism. That, that you can just uh, continue and, and hear me. Are you saved by grace? Absolutely 100%. You cannot earn your salvation. When you receive Jesus, just continue to walk after him. Every time you fall down and blow it, just get back up and say, Lord, I'm never turning back. And God will keep you by his blood and power. But I do believe that I see that somehow we have thought, God, maybe if we have enough emotion in it, or maybe if we have the right atmosphere, maybe if we have the right building, the right place, the right, maybe then enough people will come. Maybe if we'd just be simple to the word of God, they'd come. Boy, it's awful quiet. God has called people to repentance. God has asked them to alter and change and then he says to us, you are my witnesses. He said it to his disciples at first. In this passage of scripture in Luke 24, he says, you are my witnesses of these things. But then he says in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. 
And if that weren't enough, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission says, go into all the world and disciple people, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always. Praise the Lord. So we are to be those witnesses. The encounter that people are needing is through us. And the last thing that I will say is we need to be people of the Spirit. If we're ever to get through this quagmire that's happening in our nation, we aren't going to win it without the Spirit of the Lord. If we're really to see a change and to see a harvest it's not going to come about by human effort. It's not going to come about by enough technology. It's going to come about by God giving us strategic Holy Spirit uh, birthed gospel and praying that people will come. You say, well, I don't know, Pastor Brian. I, don't, I think those days are over. Well, I think we need to step out in faith. I don't think they're over, I, and I don't want to settle. <laughs> I, I, I think that we need to say, God, we're going to be people of the Spirit. We're going to be people that believe that, that not that we're going to go back. You can't reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ with what we did 30 years ago, but neither... Will we reach the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ simply because you carry a neat gadget in your hand? It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so we need to understand if we want people to have Jesus encounters, first of all, we have to understand our faith is more solid than anything in this world. Secondly, we need to understand that God will give us divine insight and ability on how to do it. God's placed us in this particular moment in time, and he's called us to be witnesses. He's called us and entrusted us. Just like he entrusted the disciples with that divine message, we have been now entrusted with this divine message. We need to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the only way to God the Father. Bow your head with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to ask with no one looking around, the first thing that I always do is ask, is there anyone here that you would say, Pastor Brian, I don't know if the Lord were to come back. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know whether I would be one of those that he would call home. You can be ready beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I want to give you that chance and never want to close a service without asking, is there anyone here? Anyone here? You would say, yes, I need Jesus. I need to make that decision. I need to call on his name.
Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. All right, then I'm going to ask another question. Maybe you're here and you would say, Pastor Brian, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that life, work, the cares of life, life in all of its routine has often encroached and, and taken away my moments with Jesus. And I know and I am aware that the Spirit is challenging me that I need to spend more time cultivating that relationship with Jesus personally. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say yes, yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Lord, I know my both my hands are up. Lord, thank you that you never leave us where we are, but you are constantly calling us, Lord, to continue to grow, to develop in our relationship with you. And God, it's not just for us. It's not just for our benefit, but Lord, that we would be a blessing to those around us. Because God, we cannot give out what we do not possess. We cannot pass to others what we do not have ourselves. So Lord, I am praying, refresh, move in your church like never before. God, you have placed us in this unique time in history. God, you have given us a plan and you have said, we are your plan. (laughs) There isn't a plan B, Lord. You have given us one another and said, go. And so, Lord, I pray we would take you on your challenge and be filled with your spirit. God, that we would spend time with you and not go out under our own power. As you said, stay in the city till you've been endued. God, we need your spirit. We need you to move in our lives. We've got family members that we won't ever be able to save. But your spirit knows how to save them. Lord, you have every key. And Lord, we are praying for the keys of our community. God, give us Holy Spirit creativity and insight in our individual lives and in the corporate church here at North Lake. God, give us innovation by your Spirit to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that their lives would be totally radically changed for your glory. God, we give you praise and we give you glory and we thank you, Lord, that we have had an encounter with you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, North Lake. Stand to your feet. You are getting ready to enter intentional ministry. As you go, whether it's going out into your neighborhood, whether it's looking and finding someone who isn't here and needs encouragement, would you go and be intentional on God's day? God bless you. I love you.